everyone. You're listening to Ed Young Radio, Ed Pastors Fellowship Church, and we want to thank you for listening with us. These next few minutes together can change your life, and you can always hear more by visiting edyoung.com. Enjoy the message. Self-aware. Do you know yourself? Most of us would say, well, sure, Ed, I know myself. But I would argue, do you really know yourself? Socrates said, and I quote, man, know thyself. Do you know yourself? I don't believe we can ever know ourselves until we know the one who knows us better than we'll ever know ourselves, and that is the Lord. Do you know yourself? We don't know ourselves just to go, wow, I know myself. It's a benefit of a believer. Just like a benefit of being a believer is forgiveness, a clear conscience, purpose, eternal life. Another benefit of a believer is being self-aware because God wants us to take advantage of this one and only life because what we do on this side of the grave affects what happens on the other side of the grave. All of us will live forever in one of two places. We make the choice. Love is a choice. We either choose to allow God to rule sovereignly over our life or we don't. If we do and if we walk with God, we're going to be self-aware. If we don't and we don't walk with God, we're going to be self-unaware. Thucydides said this. You were probably reading about Thucydides on your way to church, weren't you? (laughs) Thucydides said, what we learn from history is that we don't learn from history. What we learn from history, think about that, is that we don't learn from history. Those, though, who are self-aware learn from history. And today I want to give you a quick history lesson. I want you to go back, 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 back to the book of Daniel. Daniel is over in the Old Testament, specifically Daniel chapter 5. I want to show you what happens, and I'm going to give you an extreme example here, when someone is self-unaware. Here's what happens when someone really doesn't know themselves. Here is what happens when someone doesn't learn from history, when history is right there in front of them. Here's what happens when someone doesn't read the handwriting on the wall. You probably heard it said before, the writing is on the wall. The writing is on the wall. You've heard people say that over and over again. The writing is on the wall. The writing is on the wall. This is where we get that phrase, the writing is on the wall, Daniel chapter five. Last week, we met a guy, a crazy king, who made a turn in his life, who followed the Lord after a a unique situation. His name was Nebuchadnezzar. Is that a great name? He's definitely on the all-name team, Nebuchadnezzar. Well, today, we're going to look at his grandson. And his grandson had a great name, too, Belshazzar. Say it with me, Belshazzar. He was a millennial king, a young guy in his 20s. In Daniel chapter 5, he was in a coffee shop in Babylon, not Starbucks. He was too cool for that. Millennials don't go to Starbucks. He was in a coffee shop and he had his skinny jeans on and his John Elliott shirt that went about there and holes all in it. And, and, and he was um, on, on his uh, iPhone 
uh, thinking about his next Amazon Prime order while he was sipping pour over coffee. So he was just chilling. After all, he was the grandson of Papal Nebuchadnezzar. So he got this text, dude, you're the new king of Babylon. And sure enough, he was. Belshazzar, he lived to party and he partied to live. He decided in Daniel chapter five to throw a massive rave, a party of all parties. Everybody was there. TMZ was there. The A-listers were there. The red carpet was there. DJ Tiesto was there. It was unbelievable. His wives were there. The dancers were there. His concubines were there. You could smell the perfume, the cigar smoke, and other types of smoke in this giant area in Babylon where they were having this party. Archaeologists have found giant banquet rooms, for example, built in tunnels underneath the Euphrates River that seat over a thousand people. Also, archaeologists have found plaster. Remember that. Plaster that in your mind. I'll come back to that in a second. This big party was taking place. So Belshazzar you know, he was the man of the hour. He was the millennial king, the young guy. He thought everything was safe and secure. He thought everything was copacetic. He thought everything was, was, was great. Everything was safe because, as you read your history, this city had walls around it 350 feet high, 87 feet thick, Three chariots could ride around on the top of the wall side by side, over 100 guard towers, Water? Oh yeah, they had water. The Euphrates River snaked through the city. Food? They had food saved up for 20 years. Here's though what happened in Belshazzar's life. God is getting ready to crash his party. Here's the question. What do you do when the party's over? I mean, what do you do? How do you feel? Where do you go when the party is over? Belshazzar, through this giant rave, he had no idea it would be his last night on earth. He died. And he died, sadly, self-unaware. There are different stages to being self-unaware. And again, don't think about your spouse. Don't think about your son. Don't think about your boss. Don't think about your manager. Don't think about your coach. Don't think about your teammate. Think about yourself. There's several stages to being self-aware. The first stage is the stage I want to draw your attention to. Daniel chapter five, the delusional stage. If you're self-unaware, you're delusional. You're drunk with deception. Speaking of being smashed at the bash, Daniel chapter five, verses one through two. King Belshazzar, and this guy was so self-unaware, he just pretty much had a three-foot radius around his life, gave a great banquet for a thousand of his nobles, drank wine with them. While Belshazzar, while Belshazzar was drinking the wine, while he was doing this now, he gave orders. Is this unbelievable? To bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar, his father, in the Hebrew, that's grandfather and father. The words are used interchangeably. His father was Nebulus, I'm sorry, Nebonius. 
that's how you pronounce his name. His grandfather was Belshazzar. So read there, grandfather. And while Belshazzar was drinking his wine, he gave orders to bring in the gold and silver goblets that Nebuchadnezzar had taken, stolen from the temple in Jerusalem. When they besieged the temple in Jerusalem, when they took over Jerusalem, they brought back with them Daniel and a cadre of committed people. So, so then it says, so, so that the king and his nobles and his wives and concubines and other A-listers, you can read there, might drink from them. Now he is putting it in God's face, is he not? Here are these things we've stolen from you, God. We've stolen from your temple. Yeah, we're going to use them and we're going to get drunk and we're going to say, God, I'm up in your grill. God, I'm sovereign. You're not. Forget what happened to my grandfather. Forget what happened in history. I'm God and you're not. I'm the millennial king, man. I'm the man. Delusional. Taking the sacred and making it just secular, pedestrian. Belshazzar was delusional. But look at the next thing. He was, he was living a life of disrespect. So you're, so you're delusional. That's part of, of, of being self-unaware, caused by pride. You think you're the man. You think you're the girl. Then you go from that. I mean, you don't do it intentionally. It just happens. You begin to disrespect the things of God and the authority figures that God has placed in your life. Look, we, we don't have any respect for any positions anymore. It's pathetic. We say, well, I don't like the person, so I'm just going to disrespect the office. No, if you wait to do that, you'll never have respect. You respect and you honor the office, the position, even if you don't dig the person. And, and in fact, Daniel chapter five, verses four and six, as they drank the wine, this is interesting, isn't it? They praised the gods of gold and silver and bronze and iron and wood and stone. Suddenly, uh-oh, say suddenly. Wow, this is scary. Suddenly, while they're... Everybody danced, everybody... Suddenly, this is freaky. A hand emerges from the plaster, breaks it up, and begins to write on the wall right there in front of the millennial king, Belshazzar. Now, if I'm there, that would freak me out. A hand coming out of the wall and writing on the wall. That's where we get the phrase, the writing is on the wall. The writing is on the wall. Literally, the writing is on the wall. Suddenly, the images of a human hand appeared and wrote on the plaster of the wall near the lampstand in the royal palace. The king watched the hand as it wrote. Talking about a buzzkill. His face turned pale, and he was so frightened. And, 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 and in the original language, the word frightened, he shrieked, screamed, was so frightened that his knees knocked together and his legs gave way. Three words were written. Many tackle Paris. Say it with me. Many tackle Paris. No one knew what in the world 
they meant. I'm a why guy. And maybe you are too. And as I read this, I'm like, why didn't Belshazzar go, oh, this is encouraging. The hand of God is coming out of the plaster and God has a special message for me. I must be something unbelievable. God has a plan for me. God is gonna show how much he's gonna bless me and how amazing I am and how young I am and this and that. He didn't. I wonder why. Because of his conscience. We interpret things, do we not? In relationship to our conscience, to our conscience. We invite people to attend church. So often they make up all of these excuses. Why? Their conscience, their conscience. Adam and Eve sinned. They realized they'd messed up. They heard God walking through the garden. They tried to cover themselves, their conscience. How's your conscience? If we're really self-aware, man, our conscience is going to be on point. Ding, a lustful thought. Ding, a prideful statement. Ding, a materialistic or selfish play. Your conscience. But... The millennial king was like, man, no big deal. I mean, yeah, I feel a little bit bad, but, you know, whatever. Someone will interpret it. So he calls all of the Ivy League MBAs in, all the PhDs, all the glassy-eyed gurus. He goes, guys, in the middle of the party, interpret these words. They couldn't do it. Then his meemaw comes in, the queen mother and encourages him, oh, belty belt, everything's gonna be okay. I'm sure the words are very positive and encouraging. Don't fret, don't cry now, but there, 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 there was a guy I remembered, your peepaw used to talk about him, Daniel, and, and Daniel told your peepaw some words that changed his life. Maybe Daniel is still around. So they bring in Daniel. What do you think Daniel was thinking when he walks in and sees all this nudity, all the people doing coke, other drugs, all the craziness, all the mayhem? What do you think Daniel is thinking? He wasn't invited. And he walks up and looks at the three words, many Tekel, Paris, and he goes, oh, many means numbered. Hey, Belshazzar, your days are numbered. In fact, tonight, your ticket is going to be punched. Wow. God has your number, whether you know it or not. He has my number. Tekel, your life has been weighed, and it's come up wanting. And, and as you read this story in Daniel 5, he's giving Belshazzar an opportunity to repent, but Belshazzar doesn't learn from history. 
He doesn't think about, man, my people repented. God changed his life. But I'm going to do what I'm going to do. Are you, are you really relying on your works to balance the scales in the blazing brilliance of the glory of God? Good isn't good enough. Because as God weighs your life, you're wanting, you're lacking. Only the blood of Jesus tips the scales. And only if you've applied that do you know him. Then he says Paris. You know what the word Paris means? Paris, not Paris, France, Belshazzar. Paris means your kingdom will be divided because, read your history, the Medes and Persians had this city surrounded. It seemed to be impenetrable, but they diverted the water source of the Euphrates the Euphrates, without them realizing it, was slowly, slowly, the water level was descending. It was, it, was, it was drying up. They took their forces, marched on the riverbed underneath the wall, came in and opened up a can and took them out. It happened that night. Well, Daniel was very self-aware. And I've just jotted a couple things down. You can write these down and, and look at them later, but integrity, you can write this over verse 13, will always bring opportunity. Daniel was a man of integrity and he was able to speak into the lives of many people, many powerful people. Why? Because he knew God and God knew him better than he knew himself. And because of that, he was able to wax eloquently about this knowledge to others. Notice this too. Honor will bring respect. Even though Daniel, I'm sure when he walked in and saw this millennial king was like, you've got to be kidding me. This guy doesn't get it. Here he is sipping some more pour over coffee, smoking weed, all of his topless dancers around him. He's lost his mind I don't respect him as a person, but I honor him because of his position. And he gives him, as you read about his life, a history lesson. You didn't learn from your peepaw. I mean, your peepaw was all up in pride and ego and he was ruling over himself. You didn't learn from him. Look what happened. He repented. God changed his life, and you are now on this ride of pride? Woo! But once you say no, one day God's going to put his no on top of your no. You can't come to the Lord anytime you want. You only have an opportunity when God gives it to you. And he had the opportunity. So he gave him a history lesson. You're not learning from history. Then he gave him a Bible lesson. And Belshazzar, again, just refused. So honor will bring respect. Integrity will bring opportunity. And notice something else about being self-aware. This is from Daniel's life. Truth will bring decision. He gave him an opportunity for a decision. He gave them all. And he was pointing out 
Belshazzar the provision for this decision. But look at verses 22 and 23. But you, his son, O Belshazzar, have not humbled yourself, though you knew all this. Instead, you've set yourself up against the Lord. You are oblivious to the obvious. Do you know someone like that? Oblivious to the obvious. Hey, dude, the writing is on the wall. Hey, girl, the writing is on the wall. I talked to a couple in my office years ago. They were both going down the wrong path. And finally I said to them, the writing's on the wall. Do you want me to tell you what's going to happen to your lives individually and also collectively? And I just went through this and that and this and that. I said, you're shining up for that. The writing is on the wall. If you continue walking down the path, you're walking. But I said, if you go the other way, the writing, well, is in the word. And I showed them the life that God has. You have a choice to make, A or B, one or two. Belshazzar said no to God and it led him to destruction. So see, it's, it's, a, it's a simple process, a deadly process. You're delusional, you're disrespectful, then destruction. That very night, verse 30, Belshazzar, read it, was taken out, he was slain, and Darius the Mede took over his kingdom. We have to understand that God is a God of wrath. It's not going to be on a coffee mug that we're going to give away at VIP. <laughs> but God is a God of wrath. He's a God of love, but also he's a God of wrath. What do you mean a God of wrath? Well, the fact of God's wrath. Read scripture. Think about this story right here. It's a fact. The focus of God's wrath. What's the focus of God's wrath? Sin and rebellion. God wants everybody to repent. That's his will. But we have the choice. The finality of God's wrath. Once we say no, God puts his no on our no. We're eternally separate from him. Because one day, those of us here who are believers, we will face the judgment seat of Christ. That's another topic we don't like to talk about. I'm talking to Christians. I'm, I'm talking to believers. We will be judged based on what we did with what God gave us. Our gifts, abilities, aptitudes, our finances, our blessings. You'll be judged. I'll be judged based on that. So man, what a responsibility, what an accountability to live the life. There's another judgment called the great white throne judgment. And that's the judgment for non-believers. If your name is not written in the Lamb's book of life, God will say, you said no to me time and time and time again. Here's my no on your no. You'll be eternal separate. You'll be eternally separate from me for the rest of your existence. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 2, I tell you, now is the time of God's favor. Now, now is the day of salvation. 
Belshazzar had an opportunity to get his life right, to turn it all over to God. Belshazzar, your days are numbered. Belshazzar, your works have been weighed and you've come up lacking. Belshazzar, your kingdom is, is, is gonna be divided. Follow the Lord, make him sovereign. Because once you do, you'll be on your way to knowing God in a deep way and also knowing yourself. Thank you for listening and thanks to all who give so generously to this ministry. It's because of you that we can continue this show and equip people with the hope of heaven. You can click the link in the description to support the show or visit edyoung.com. There you can also be resourced with bonus content for free, including a daily devotional. We also encourage you to share the message today with those around you. Thank you again for listening. God bless. God bless.